our message today be brought to us by Mr. Matthew Steele. It is entitled, Hearing the Voice of God. Well, good afternoon, everyone. I apologize ahead of time for my ongoing sinus infection. Uh, it sounded a little strange, but uh, hey, you're all used to me being a little strange. So, uh, Anybody recognize this? Not the picture on it. Never seen it. Now, about maybe 30 years ago, we wouldn't have seen any one of these, but cell phone, right? And, and then... Anybody seen these things? Anybody got a pair of these? Where you stick these little pods in your ears, and you can, through your cell phone, talk to somebody on the other side of the world. Pretty cool. Uh, I will do that sometimes with my mom. Normally, I'm on video with my mom, you know, uh, at at the weekend sometimes, but. But if I'm really busy or I'm doing some mindless task that needs to get done, we, we might just talk on the phone with these weird electronic things sticking out of my ears. And then uh, I also get a kick out of it sometimes because I'll come into the kitchen and my wife will be cooking and she's doing some things and then she just seems like she's just talking to the pan that's on the stove. Which of course she's actually talking to somebody on her ear pods while she's doing some, some tasks in the kitchen. And maybe, maybe you've done that yourself. I even use these things for, for meetings um, at work, because I work from home. And so sometimes um, I don't need to particularly do anything in the meeting, which, believe it or not, there are jobs out there that you can basically be like a professional meeting attender. Anybody have any of those? Yeah, yeah. It's like, why am I on this meeting with these 58 other people? But anyway, I digress. So I can walk around the house and I can listen to, or technically we listen to, but my mind starts to wander, this meeting and keep up to date with what's going on uh, at work. And the people that are on that call are in, one in Texas, there's one in Illinois, there's one in Florida, they're, they're all over the place. And you can tell that sometimes that they're doing the same thing. Because every once in a while you can hear a, a faucet start to get turned on. And you'll hear the shh in the background. Or somebody's clanking around with cups and they're clearly getting some coffee. Whatever it is. And every once in a while somebody, it's hilarious, will be like, can somebody go on mute? <laughs> uh, because they've forgotten to do that amazing technology that we have, an amazing way to communicate, and we can actually communicate with one another all the time while we're doing other things. And that's a little bit of what I want to talk about uh, today in, the, in this message, because I originally approached this as just, I was really inspired by the last couple of weeks of Bible study and about the power of prayer, and even touching upon it a little bit uh, in the Bible study today with how the disciples are just running to Jesus. It's like, we're going to drown here. And Jesus is asleep in the boat. The boat's not going to sink. Jesus is in the boat. You're with Jesus in the boat. We're with Jesus in all the storms of life, 
we're not going to sink. And yet, oftentimes our prayers are as frantic as the disciples were. So I just kind of wanted to talk about prayer a little bit more and maybe broaden our minds about, about prayer and what is it, really, what is it, and how are we supposed to do it. So I think it was a couple of lessons back that we, we covered the Lord's Prayer. So I thought that's a really good place to start. So that's back in Matthew chapter 6, beginning of verse 8. We're all very familiar with it. There's, there's a couple of slightly different variants, I suppose. But for the most part, it, it goes like this. Jesus is saying, don't be like these, these Pharisees and Sadducees that are, that are praying in public, showing their piety. And who are they really talking to? Well, everybody else, right? Not God. So Jesus is saying, do it like this. Our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. It's a beautiful prayer. You know, and some people don't like to repeat it often, you know, as a corporate prayer or something like that. But I, I think that's perfectly fine. It is a template prayer. But it also encapsulates all the things we would want to pray about. It reminds us at the beginning of the prayer who we are praying to. This power, the central power of the universe, this individual who cares for us, and yet he is the most powerful person that we can reach. You know, when we have struggles in life, difficulties in life, we'll often try and reach out with somebody that has authority to help us do something. Right? I remember when my, my boys uh, were born, and we had these excessive medical bills, and most of them were taken care of by insurance, but there were some that were not going to be. And we found the right person in power that could just say, yeah, yeah, we've made enough money off of these two little babies. We're wiping it out. So it's reminding us of who we are talking to. Not in a, in a, a fear sense, but in an understanding of what he can do for us and what we should be doing for, them, for him. Hallowing his name. Looking for his kingdom and looking for his will to be done on earth and in heaven and in our lives today, and then ultimately in the kingdom of God, of course, to come. And so it is this powerful prayer that gives us permission to pray for the things that we need. He's, he's like, give us our daily bread. He already knows that we need daily bread. But he says, it's okay, you can pray to me for these things, for the things you need, maybe some of the things you want as well. He cares for us. We can pray that he would forgive us of our debts. Not that anybody incurs any debts with God, right? No. Of course we do. 
just as others incur debts with us. And it's about restoring relationship with God and with others. What a beautiful prayer this is. Deliver us from the evil one. Do we pray with that in mind? When we pray, do we remember that we have an enemy that is out to kill us, to destroy us, to completely eliminate our existence and everything we know and love? Jesus really advises us to keep that concept in mind, right? We are living in a world at war. He is advising us to remember that. But then at the end, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Where we are going to be with him. And we need that encouragement when we pray. We need that in our lives when we pray. And so this prayer is powerful in its own right. It's it's a powerful template for us to take and, and hang each specific thing onto that we need that we need to bring to God. And it is a beautiful prayer. Sometimes this prayer can be used when we're just unable to find the words. Have you ever been in that place where you can't find the words? You don't know what to pray for, so you can just pray this. Or, as in this tradition that really Jesus is giving us, In many ways, he's giving us what the psalmist has also given us, right? We can pull from psalms. So, for example, Psalm 42, verse 1. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so so pants my soul for you. God is first in this prayer, just like in the Lord's Prayer. Putting God in his place, the correct place in our hearts. My soul thirsts for God. For the living word. When shall I come and appear before God? Well, (laughs) I'm going to come and appear before God when my tears have been my flood day and night. While, While they continually say to me, where is your God? When the enemy mocks us. Or when we even doubt ourselves. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Again, it's kind of reflective of what Jesus is saying. For thine is the kingdom and the power remembering where we are going to end up. Or in Psalm 54, verse 1, Save me, O God, by your name, and vindicate me by your strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers, enemies, that have risen up against me and oppressors have sought after my life. They have not set God before them. Selah. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with those who uphold my life. He will repay my enemies for their evil. Cut them off 
in your truth. I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For he has delivered me out of trouble, and my eye has seen its desire upon my enemies. Beautiful passages, beautiful example prayers that we can use when words fail, when we don't know what to pray for. One of my favorites, um, oddly enough, and it's I kind of look at this as a political prayer. This is a this is a political prayer. Anybody want a political prayer th- these days? When we what we see in the world and what we see in our community uh, and 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 in our culture, one of these prayers encourages me. It's in Psalm chapter two, verse one. He says, "Why do the nations rage?" And the people plot a vain thing. Go ahead with all your plans, with all your schemes of man. Yeah, try and change the order of things. Try and and change what is true and what is not. The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us throw off those bonds, right? Let's break them in pieces and cast them away. We don't have to be bound by the old order. We don't have to be bound by this Christian culture that grew us and formed us and gave us our freedom. We don't have to do that. And who says that? The leaders. It's the leaders that are saying that. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. I like that. They go ahead. Try it. But he who sits in the heavens is going to laugh at them. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with the rod of iron. You shall dash them in pieces like the potter's vessel. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss, kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, but blessed are all those who put their trust in him. That's encouraging to me, especially in the times that we are living in, is that there is a son, the son of God, the king of kings, and he's coming. And he will bring his justice. And he will bring his vengeance. But for us, we are blessed. For those that are in him, who put our trust in him, we are blessed. So, to me, this is a bit of a political prayer. It's an encouraging prayer in the times that we live. These psalms and prayers, and even the Lord's prayer, are prayers of communication with God. They're prayers of affirmation 
as well. They are beautiful, and they are built for us to follow, for us to have an example in which to hang our specific needs and our specific communication with God. But I want to ask you a question. When we think about, for example, the Lord's Prayer, is that where Jesus wanted us to stop? Is that where he just said, okay, here's the the prayer. Very literal reading would say, well, how should we pray? Pray like this, okay? So every time we pray, we just pray like this. I would get a little bored with that. And of course, we wouldn't feel like we're answering or, or giving to God specific things that we need to give to him. So I don't think Jesus meant for us to stay at this basic level of communication. What else are these prayers? Notice, even in the Lord's Prayer, what are they? When you think of that, that prayer that we just read, who's doing the talking? We are. When we're following that prayer, we're doing all the talking. We're asking for God's forgiveness. We're asking for his provision. We're asking for his guidance. And that's that's about it. As beautiful as it is. Is there more to prayer? Is there more to prayer for us to have than a one-way communication? That prayer, as beautiful as it is, is a list of needs. And the Father already knows what we need. But that's not the limit of our prayers. Jesus and the Father, I think, want us to progress further in our communication with him. Deeper in our communication with him. Now, I may touch upon some things, and it may, you know, prayer and Bible study are the two things that most people will squirm about because they feel like they don't do enough of it. This message is not designed for shaming or, I mean, if you do more prayer and do more Bible study today, that's great. But don't take it in that sense. We could all do more prayer and we, and we should. But this isn't about shaming. This is about exploring a broader way in which our prayers can influence our lives, the lives of others, and the critical nature of our prayers. In his exhortation to the, uh, the church in Thessalonica, uh, Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. He says, Rejoice always. Who finds themselves rejoicing always? Yeah, that's, that's an easy one to do, right? When you're going through surgery, or recovery from surgery, or job loss, or just on one of those mindless job phone calls with your AirPods sticking out of your ear. You don't particularly feel like you're rejoicing. But in this sense, it means to find the joy in every moment. Paul is exhorting us to find joy. There is some joy in every moment. And then he says this. 
pray without ceasing. Are you praying right now? Pray without ceasing. And it specifically means, and I, I like this version of the translation of what it means, incessantly. So be what? Like the two-year-old in the back of the car, just incessantly making noises and singing and chatting. And because that we know what incessant is when it comes to little kids, right? We've experienced that. Paul is saying... Without ceasing. Almost like, yeah, don't put the amen at the end. Just keep it open. It's without ceasing. Don't stop. Now some might say, well, it just means pray regularly. It means don't stop forevermore. I don't think that's what it means. I think it means Always talk to God in every moment of every part of our life. We stick our spiritual earbuds in our ears. We dial God up on the phone, our spiritual phone, and we walk about our lives, doing our lives with him listening in. We open a mic to him and leave that connection open. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying that we need to be in constant open communication with God. Conversation with God. All day long. Every day. Now, it might be a little hard to do that while you're sleeping. But I don't know. I've not tried that part. But he is encouraging us to share all moments, everything that we go through in life, the mundane, the funny, the difficult, the painful, whatever it is, opening that connection with him and leaving it open. Then Paul says this, <clears throat> in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in every struggle, every joy, every sorrow, blessing. Yeah. Give thanks. Even in the pain, he says to give thanks. Going back to the beginning of that statement, find the joy, find the thing in which we can be grateful for, even in the pain. Find the good in it. And then he also continues, and remember this is, in the, this is all in the context of praying. We've opened the prayer line. We've got our earbuds in our ears. We're communicating with God. We've maybe, you know, used the Lord's Prayer as a template, and we've opened up with that. <coughs> and then we continue to have that communication with him throughout the day. And he continues. Do not <coughs> quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now it's easy to look at this short passage here, and it's right before the end 
I think, of, of, of the letter. He's getting ready to wrap things up and, you know, send his greetings and blessings and so on. Signed, love Paul. You know, and he's, it's easy to skip over some of these things. He's just being eloquent and, and so on. But he's actually packaged these, <coughs> these passages together in the context of prayer. So in the, the unending, the incessant, the constant prayer, do not quench the spirit. That's the context. Do not despise prophecies. <coughs> Test all things. Hold fast what is good. And abstain from every form of evil. Again, in the context of that ongoing prayer. Why does that matter? Well, there is actually something unique about how Paul is describing prayer here that maybe we don't take advantage of. Because this is not a one-way prayer. This is a bi-directional conversation with God. Paul says, don't quench the spirit. Well, what is that? Well, when we look at that Greek word, it's, it's the word that we're very familiar with for spirit. Pneuma, right? The breath of God. What's coming out of my mouth right now? As I'm talking to you, my breath is coming out of my mouth to make those sounds so that you can hear and understand what I'm saying. I'm communicating with you. Now in this setting, it's one way. Earlier, it was both ways, right? We were sharing in this conversation about the Bible study. Paul is saying, don't quench the breath, the words being spoken by God to you. understand that. And then he reiterates it. Because then he says, do not despise prophecies. And sometimes we think of that word and it gets a religious connotation and we think, oh, well this is a, I've received a vision from the Lord. That's not really always the case. Yeah, there are prophets. But even in the, the technical attribute of the word for prophecies, revelation, and so on, it means utterances. So Paul is telling us, don't quench the speech and the utterances of God in prayer. So what's his expectation? If he's telling you not to do something with the speech and that, that, that utterances, the word of God, his expectation is, hearing and can hear the direct communication from the voice of God. But it's not a one-way communication. We just send up our lists of things that we're worried about and, and, and need his intervention on. There are those prayers and there are those times. But Paul is saying it is possible, more than possible, it is an expectation that we will receive communication back from him. That we can hear his voice. And then he helps us further with this prayer. Because 
it's not like talking to a person in a room who we can see and touch and, and, and interact with that is speaking to us. It is different. So how do we know that that's God's voice and not our own thoughts and our own ideas about what it is that we are asking him about? How do we know that? Well, Paul tells us to test all things. So if we have heard the voice of God, if, if we believe that we have heard his voice, he's communicated something to us, how do we test that? Well, we test it like we test anything. We go against Scripture. We look at the Word of God. Does this go with the Word of God? I've experienced conversations with people that said, I've got a word from the Lord, and it's this, and I'm like, that's funny. That goes completely against one of the commandments. So I'm not going to believe that. But we can go to the Word of God, what He has already given to us, and we can verify, test all those things that he may speak to us. Is it true? Is it right? If it does hold up, as it were, to the word of God, to what we know to be true. And if it does, believe it. Believe what he is telling us. Do not quench it. Do not reject it. Now, that's my own mind. So I'm going to share a personal experience. I didn't plan on doing this, but I think it's helpful. So um, Renee and I were trying and, and have been trying to have a new practice for the start of the year. And we, um, the practice is that you basically are asking God for a, a word, a scripture, a statement, something from him for the year. Almost kind of like a mission statement. That, that it either means it's, it's what he's working through in our life or in our heart or whatever it is. So I, I tried it. And all I, I say all I got back, but I got back peace and joy. I heard him say in my mind, peace and joy. And I was like, Everybody wants peace and joy. I mean, raise your hand if you want peace and joy. We all want peace and joy. That's my own brain. Come on. So I, I kind of wiped that from my mind, asked again, peace and joy. <sighs> okay. God, I'm sorry. I apologize. I didn't mean for this. I, I will try again later. And we were getting ready to go somewhere, may have been to a church, I can't remember, and, and just felt rushed. And so I said, I just asked him, could you give me a scripture for today? And I waited a little bit, and a scripture reference came to my mind. And if you know me, I cannot remember scripture references and plug them in with verses. I can remember the verse. I'll tell you it's somewhere in the Bible. So a scripture reference comes in, and I'm like, I don't even have that. I don't know. I'll go look. It was in Luke, and it was announcing peace and joy and goodwill towards all men because of the birth of the Messiah. Confirmation. That's okay to do. That's how we can test 
if we are really receiving something from God, or is it our own hopes and imagination? And then the, the last piece that Paul gives us is just as critical, because there is another spiritual entity broadcasting in the world, and he is the enemy. And so we need to understand and test, is this from me, is this from God, is this from the enemy? And we're at war. And one of the best ways to disrupt your enemy is to disrupt his communication. And so the enemy is going to try and do that too. And so here we have, Paul says, all right, figure out if this is true, if this is good, and if it's not, abstain from every form of evil. Ignore that. Pass that away. So what I'm talking about here is some describe as listening prayer. And, and maybe I'm speaking to the, to the audience, but for many years I will tell you that I didn't actively engage in this kind of prayer. And oftentimes we don't think about prayer in this way. That we can stop, that we can put ourselves in a good place where we're not going to get interrupted, where we can just open ourselves up in prayer and listen. Listen for an answer. Listen for a word from God. Listen for a scripture reference. And that's probably my most common thing, is asking for a scripture reference for the day. And <laughs> I have been astonished. Sometimes I'm like, that is not even, there's no 25th chapter in that book. I know there is. And I go flip over there, because, again, I can't remember all the references. And there it is. And God is merciful and, and gives me an encouragement from that scripture. And I've even done it where the scripture, I'm like, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't know how that's going to help me through the day. And by the end of the day, I've learned what it was for. So, Listening, prayer, hearing the voice of God. That's what Paul is talking about here in just three, four short verses. And it's so easy for us to not think of prayer in this way. Now, the other argument to this is what? Well, only special people hear the voice of God. Right? And we can look in scripture and we can see it's only the special people that God talks to directly. Is that true? So I haven't done a super deep analysis on this, but I would be shocked if it's less than 90% of the people that we read about whose stories we follow in scripture if it's less than 90% of them, hear the word of God directly. Just, just think about it from, from what you already know. Adam and Eve. Well, that's kind of obvious. Noah. And I'm, I'm skipping people here, I'm sure. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Samuel, Elijah, Elisha. Isaiah, Jeremiah, I mean, how many of the prophets? All of the prophets? 
Maybe they heard his voice. So when you start to think about it in these terms, it's more common that people hear the voice of God in the Old Testament than they did not. It's more common that he communicated to them directly. And you could say, well, you listed all the special people. Yeah? What about Hagar? Was she special? She was a slave, and she had run away from her master, her mistress. She was pregnant, lost in the desert. And the God of the creation brought her out and talked to her. So it's not just the special people. And we can look in the New Testament. We can look at the New Testament in, in lots of different ways. And okay, we might think, well, again, they were the, the special people. Not so much. There's always been a passage that uh, I've been curious about in um, Acts chapter 16 and verse 6. And it, it just describes this small moment. And, and, and this is where Paul has gone through the region of Phygra and uh, Galatia, and, and then they wanted to go to Asia, and they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. And you used to think, well, how does the Holy Spirit forbid people? Well, if we put it together with what Paul told us in Thessalonians, it's the mouth, it's the word, it's the speaking of God. So I, I could perfectly see this, that one day Paul was like, God, we want to head into Asia. No, I don't want you to do that. You're forbidden to go to Asia. It's the speaking, it's the speech that is the communication from God. We have this communication from God through the Holy Spirit. What is it? Five times, I think? It's repeated in Revelation. Uh, one of them, like uh, Revelation chapter 2, verse 29. Let he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's God's word speaking. And when you put it in that context, you know, I used to kind of think of it more of a, it's, it's this ethereal communication, nonverbal well, it's principles that are coming out of Scripture, and, and let's, let's listen to that, to what is God saying in that sense. And that's true. I mean, we have it written down in Revelation so that we can learn and understand and understand each of the attributes of the churches and so on and, and what he's trying to communicate to them. But I think it's also specific. And it made me think, well, Jesus is saying to the churches in this end of the age uh, prophecy, you know, suite of prophecies in Revelation, he's saying, listen to what my spirit is speaking to the churches. And it made me wonder, should we be listening to what God is saying to our church, to us? Are we doing that? Do we have spiritual ears hear literally what he's trying to communicate to us. 
Some of the other ways that that God communicates, obviously, is in in the truth. And uh, I don't have time, I'm running short of time here, to go through that example. Um, But, again, it's two-way communication. It's not just giving him a list of things that we need, that we desperately need. Legitimate requests. It's beyond that. It's finding the means by which we can open our hearts and our mind to hear his voice. There are practices to that. Hearing the voice of God is not reserved for the important people. It's open to everyone who believes, who opens up with their heart and with their mind. It's open for us all now, maybe it'll take a little bit of time. Maybe it's hard if you're like me to, you know, when you have a moment and you're trying to meditate or think about one particular thing, about 1,500 other things try and come into your mind, right, and crowd your mind, and you, you, you have to clear that again and, and engage in this practice until you can finally not empty your mind, but just listen. Just listen for the voice of God. Asking a simple question for a scripture for today. Asking a simple question, God, what do you want me to do for this day? What do you want me to know about this day? Personal, looking and expecting an answer. Expecting to hear the voice of God. Because I really believe he wants to talk directly. 